I hope you attended Bible classes this morning because uh, in the fall of the year, it's become our custom to coordinate our study uh, with Bible classes and the sermon time. And this uh, year, we've chosen to look at the prophet Jeremiah. So if you were in Bible class, then you've been introduced to Jeremiah, have looked at the first part of his ministry, particularly his call. And we want to spend just a few moments today Uh, going back over and looking at that call a little more closely. Would you be standing, please, as we read this, the Word of God, from from Jeremiah. Did I say Isaiah? Isaiah, I have to confess, Isaiah is my friend. I love Isaiah. Jeremiah and I are good acquaintances, and this is a good chance for me to make Jeremiah more my friend, too. So I'll try to keep saying Jeremiah. The Word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to. And say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. May God bless the reading of his word. You know, for those of us who are Christians, the importance and significance of this book in our lives cannot really be overstated. Because this book tells us the truth. This book tells us what is real. This book frames our lives. Because in this book, we are told about God. In this book, we come to know who God is, what He has done, and more importantly, what He is doing. So as we read this book, we learn about God, which then we also means that we learn about ourselves. We learn who we are in relationship with God. We learn that our lives really matter, and we learn where we fit in to all this stuff that's going on. This book was written over the course of a little over a thousand years, and it's not arranged exactly how I would arrange it if I had been in charge, but for some reason I didn't get that job, okay? It's, it's a little difficult sometimes to try to, to get in there and figure out where one thing is going. But really, what it does is, it tells one long story. It begins at the beginning, when God created everything. And if you turn over to the very end of the book, you see where everything is headed. You read about the judgment, and you read about the end of time. And so it's one long, continuous story, beginning with the fact that God created everything. The reason we're here, 
the reason this whole world exists is because God wanted it to, and God spoke it into existence. It tells us that we human beings are the crowning glory of his creation. Of all the things that God made, he made us to be special. It says that he made us in his image. He made us to have a relationship with God that none of the rest of creation is able to have. But we have been given that wonderful, marvelous gift. We can have a relationship with God. We can choose to honor God. We can choose to worship Him as God. We can choose to listen to Him as God. Or, as this book tells us, we can choose not to. The book goes ahead and continues the story by telling us that our ancestors all chose at some time in their life not to listen to God, not to honor Him as God. And it tells us also that in our own lives, somewhere along the way, we make that same decision. And it is because of this, because His creation that was created to be so close to Him has decided to go its own way, that this is why our world is filled with pain and conflict and suffering and death. But the story continues. The story continues by telling us God said, I'm not going to put up with that. I'm not going to settle for just having a creation that has gone away from me and done what it wants to do and is suffering all these things and especially experiencing death. He said, I'm going to set into motion a plan. I am going to work with my creation. I am going to redeem my creation. I am going to restore my creation. So still back here and all the way back in Genesis, we keep reading, we find out that the first move God made to do that was he found a man named Abraham. And he came to Abraham and he called Abraham and said, I want you to work with me. And if you work with me, I will bless you and your family. And through your family, as this story continues, all other families in the world will be blessed. It goes on to tell us how he worked with that family and led all the way up to the descendants of Abraham, to the nation of Israel, and through Moses made another covenant with them. And he formed them into a nation. He said, I want you to be my people. I need to have a people on this earth that know who I am and who are willing to work with me in order for what I see that I want for my creation to be will come about. Much of this Old Testament, as we call it, is God's dealings with that people we call Israel. How he worked with them and nurtured them, how he blessed them. And even though they continued at times to rebel against him and he was forced to discipline them, he loved them. And his plan continued. In spite of human weakness, in spite of the wrong turns that were made... He kept working with this people until finally it was time. It was time for the plan to burst into the whole world. As the Apostle Paul says, in the fullness of time, God sent His Son. 
In the person of Jesus Christ, God himself entered into this world. This is what he had been working toward all the way back there since Abraham. And it all played out. Even though he hadn't gotten a lot of cooperation sometimes, he's God. He's the sovereign. And his story kept on going until Jesus walked this earth. And in the ministry of Jesus and in the suffering of Jesus, in his death and in his resurrection, then all of creation was invited once again to be what God had created it to be, to be his people, to be a people who loved him. And they were redeemed and brought back and able then to be his children. That's where we are in the story. Now, as I said... If we turn all the way over here to the last part and get into the book of Revelation, we're going to find that we do have a glimpse of what's going to happen after this. We have a glimpse of judgment. We have a glimpse of a new heaven and a new earth and of living with God for eternity. But if I were in charge of putting the Bible together, which I'm not, even if I think if I printed a Bible... Right there in the book of Revelation, I would put some blank pages. Because those pages are for my part of the story. Where I fit in to God's long story of salvation, creation, His kingdom. You see, it continues. And this book wraps around it. And as we enter into the conversation and learn what has happened before, we learn what God is doing now. And as we look ahead, we know what He's going to do. And then we begin to say, so this is what I'm about. Here is what I am to be. Here is what I am to do. Now the reason we're talking about this is because throughout God's story... He consistently calls people to come and perform a particular specific tasks for him. There comes a time whenever God needs something done. And so when he needs something done so that his story will move along, then he issues a call to people to come and to be a part of his story, to join in on the conversation and to bring it forward as God wants it to be brought forward. He called Abraham, he called Moses, he called Isaiah, (laughs) he called Jeremiah, he called Peter and Andrew and James and John. But what's most important to us is that we discover that he calls you too. He calls you and me. Because just like all these others... We're called to work within the story of God and to move it forward. We too are being called to fill our place in the story. To find how we can be a part of God's plan. It's His plan, it's not ours. But we are called to join in and to blend our lives in. So that as the story plays out we will find ourselves moving God's story forward as he wants it to be. So what I want us to do in the time that we have left is to look at this call 
of Jeremiah. And even though the call to Jeremiah is a specific call to him, I think within his call, as we compare it to other calls, we find that there's something in common there that probably every person that God reaches out to hears these same words. We're going to pull up the uh, verse. It's not there. No, can we go back one? Thank you. This is the verse I want us to key in on before we leave. When God appeared, or the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, he said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. And I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. Now what I maintain is that the only thing about that passage that does not apply directly to you, maybe, is the prophet to the nations. I don't know that you're being called to be a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah was. But all the rest of that passage, all the rest of that fits you and me as well as Jeremiah or Isaiah or any of the other ones that God has called. Three words are found there. Three words that are very significant. If we can go to the next one there, my little uh, clicker's not clicking. All right? Three words that, compre- that, that comprise the call of God in our lives. I know. Yada. I consecrate or set apart or make holy. Kadosh. I give or appoint. Nathan. These words are some of the most significant words in all of Scripture. For these words tell us what God does in His plan and in our lives. I know. Before we know God, He knows us. If you stop and think about it, this changes the orientation of our whole world. Guess what? We are not the center of the universe. God is. And while our story is special and unique, it falls within the context of His continuing story. You see, there are a lot of things I don't know about God. Anyone here have any questions about God? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I'm learning. I know more about God now than I did 20 years ago. But there's still a lot of things about God that I don't know. But guess what? God knows everything about me. He said, before you were even born, I knew you. I know you completely. And it's interesting that whenever the Apostle Paul talks about what it's going to be like to be completely God's child, he pulls this same concept in when he says, like in Galatians chapter 4, he says, now that you are coming to know God, or let me say that another way, now that you are coming to the realization that God knows you, How can anything in your life ever be the same again? When you stop and think that the creator of the universe... Have have you been watching any of these pictures coming back from Pluto? 
Isn't that amazing? It just blows my mind to think about how long that little probe uh, sailed out there through empty space, and then it's taken these pictures of a world we've never seen before, and now sending them back, and for the first time, we're looking at those things. But those things have been there forever. God knew that. God knew what Pluto looked like. That God who knows all and knows the extreme regions of this universe knows you. He knows your name. He knows what you struggle with. He knows what your blessings are. He knows everything about you. There's a lot of ways we could go with that. For one thing, it's funny that many times we try to hide from God. Remember Adam and Eve after they messed up? What did they do? What was the first thing they did? Went and hid. Right. God says, I think I know where you are. <laughs> we can be ourselves in front of God because he already knows anyway. God knows us. And the amazing thing about that, I got off my subject. I'm trying to get back on here. <laughs> the amazing thing about that is it gives worth to our lives. That's why I matter. That's why you matter. That's why you can never think of yourself as someone insignificant. That's why you can never think of yourself as someone that doesn't have something to offer to this whole world. You do because you are known by God. Now the second thing he says is, I have consecrated you. I set you apart. I made you holy. He sets us apart for His purposes. Each one of us has been born to do something significant in the kingdom of God. God doesn't wait to see how we're going to turn out, to see whether or not He's going to like us or not. Each time a child is formed in the womb, God says, I want that one. And He gives us the ability to be someone for him. The question is, will we let ourselves be a part of his plan? Will we join him in what he is doing? You know, it really is up to us to make that choice. We talk about all these people that received a call from God, like Jeremiah, like Moses, like Abraham. And now we're saying, well, all of us have received a call. But the only ones that we tend to hear about are those who answer affirmatively. I wonder sometimes how many people God has called that turned him down. I know one. I don't know his name. But there is only one in the Bible that his story is recalled whenever God, through Jesus, called him to come and follow. Do you remember who that was? There was a man who came to Jesus and asked him what he needed to do in order to be saved, in order to enjoy the, uh, heaven and eternal life. And Jesus said, well, keep the commandments. And he said, well, I'm doing all that. What else do I need to do? Jesus said, well, why don't you sell everything you got and come and follow me? And that man, who we don't know his name, we call him the rich young ruler, who had so much going on in his life that he didn't want to let go of it said no, and walked away. 
That's the only story I know in the Bible about someone who said no and walked away. But I think we don't have the other stories because once you walk away from being a part of the story of God, then your life becomes rather irrelevant because God's story is going to continue. God's ways will continue. His plan will continue. He has consecrated us. He has set us apart to be about the things that He is doing. And what is God doing? God is saving. God is rescuing. God is blessing. God is providing. God is for life and against death. God is for love and against hate. God is for hope and against despair. God is for heaven and against hell. Where do I stand on those issues? I appreciate the amens. There is a spiritual war going on, and God is there in the midst of it. He is fighting for good over evil. He is fighting for health over illness. God is in this continuously and energetically, and he chose us to enter the battle too. One of my favorite passages is in 2 Timothy, where Paul compares himself to a utensil in God's house. And he said, I want to be a utensil that is useful to him. I want to make sure that my life is such a life that can be useful in the story of God. Finally, God says, I gave you. God is a giver. How do we know God is a giver? The most precious thing in all the universe to him was his son, Jesus Christ. And God so loved the world that he gave his son. And his desire is that he can give us too. Isn't that amazing? God wants to give you away. He loves you. He consecrated you. And now he wants to give you away. He wants to give you to his service and promoting his story. He wants you to be what he created you to be. In your context, where you are, all that's going on around you, he wants to give you to your family. He wants to give you to your coworkers. He wants to give you to your friends. He wants to give you to those who are lost in this community. He wants to give you to the poor of this community. He wants to say, here's someone that can keep the story going. Boom, there he is. I give him or her to you. Because that's what he made you to be. In closing, one... uh, One of my uh, favorite uh, scholars I like to read is Eugene Peterson. And years ago, he wrote a book about this subject. And in it, he told a story of one summer that he spent by a lake, just a couple of weeks there, just refreshing and getting going again. And every day, he would go out and sit beside this lake and just look over the beauty of God's nature. Well, toward the beginning of his stay, he noticed that uh, there was kind of a, an indention or a hollow in some rocks there that jutted out over the water. And two swallows kept flying out and obviously getting insects and bringing them back in and then fly out and back in. So he knew there were baby birds uh, inside that little crevice and that the parents were going out and getting the insects and stuff and bringing them back and feeding them. 
So one day he went down and he sat down and he looked out and he was surprised to see that on a little branch right beside that little crevice there sat three little baby birds. The parents had gotten them out of the nest. And there they sat looking around like, oh, what a big world this is. And the parents started flying off and they would get the, the insects and come back and feed the birds and get insects and feed the birds. Gave them a great feast, all right? But this was a special day because after they had fed them completely, the parent birds came and got on the branch beside them with the baby birds out toward the end. And then the parent birds went like this. And the little birds were like, oh, okay. And then the parent birds went like this. <laughs> Until the end bird got to the end of the branch and was just barely hanging on. And the parent birds went. And the bird fell off. And the bird panicked. And it started flopping around. And all of a sudden, it was like, oh, wow, look at this. And flew off. And so the, the, the parent birds went like this one more time. And the second bird fell off. And again, there was a lot of fluttering. And, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wow, and flew off. Third bird was a little different. They kept pushing it, and he got to the end. He flipped over upside down and held on. <laughs> Mama bird went over and started pecking on his feet. <laughs> Until... Until it was so painful it had to let go. And there was all of this, and then it was like, oh, okay. God has created us for something really good. You know, birds have feet, and they could spend all their time walking around if they wanted to. But what kind of life would that be? Because they were created to fly. You were created to be a part of the story of God. You were created to be a part of his plan, to work with him, to do the things that he does. And God will push us, and he will push us just hoping, just hoping that when we fall off the end, we'll learn what we're all about. God knows you. He has made you holy. He has consecrated you. And God, he's calling He's calling you to come and to be a part so he can give you to this world. Take that call. Let's stand and sing.